1: It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.
2: We go to the North Homestead Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram Hotline. He covers the Browns for the Chronicle Telegram. You can read all of his work at brownszone.com. He'll be going to the Combine. He's Mr. Scott Petrack. Hello, Scott. Scott. Hey, guys. How are you? Hey, hey. We are well. How are you? I'm pretty good. So festivities begin tomorrow, correct, with with coaches chatting, GMs chatting Tuesday, Wednesday for that. The actual guys running around in their underwear on Thursday. Is that correct? The way it's going to play out?
3: That sounds right to me. Jeff, I like to take it one day at a time, so I'm focused <laughs> on the drive-up today, and then talking to General Manager Andrew Berry tomorrow.
4: So you're That's just trying fabulous. to go one and zero today, is that what you're saying? That's exactly right.
3: Um, but yeah, we talk. We talk to those guys the next couple of days, and then I think the player interviews start Wednesday as well.
2: So, so what happens tomorrow when you go to the combine and Andrew Berry speaks? And you'll hear that, by the way, right here on the fan. But other than that, what do you guys do?
3: <laughs> well, then I got to write, you know. So that takes a while. I got to come up with questions to ask. Um, there's other coaches and GMs, so I like to listen in on as many of those as I can, you know, especially if there's ones relevant to the Browns. Um, and then it's writing and then it's going out on the town and hoping you run into some people that might tell you
4: something. Ah, I I think it's weird when, sorry, that was my big, that was a big basket. Well, I just, you know, the draft just, (laughs) the draft is not fun when you don't have a first round pick. I'm sorry. It's just not fun. It's still opportunity, Andy. I know, but, I mean, Scott, I mean, like, seriously, as you're driving over, you're like, hey, man, we got top five pick. Like, that That makes – That means our team stunk. Yeah, we had a bad season, but, man, this drive goes really fast. Oh, look, Cornfield. Oh, look, <laughs> another place that sells RVs. This is great. And then all yeah. of a sudden you're in Indianapolis, and, you know, I just – I don't – your thoughts on, on what they'll be able to do in this draft what they should be looking for in this draft and – uh, where they should put the resources in over the next couple of days.
3: Yeah, it certainly does change how you view the draft. It changes how you view the combine. You know, if they had a top five pick or they needed a quarterback, right, that really heightens the anticipation, the awareness, the interest. I'm sure I'd stay longer at the combine, right, because those stories mean so much more. And you can kind of narrow down who they might take, right, at least at that first pick. You know, when you're not drafted until 54 – you know, it's a crapshoot, right? Nobody knows narrow anything for, down, it, yeah. right? Right. So it, it makes it harder um, in some ways. But you know, for where the Browns are, given not having a first round pick, given coming off a playoff spot, it's about how can they supplement this roster, which I think is a good roster as it stands. And that's okay. How do you create enough salary cap space to make the moves you need? Um, what do they do at defensive end? What do they do at receiver? Where do they do defensive tackle? What do they do backup quarterback? It's, so for me, it feels more about the Browns, especially because we're not even into March and the draft's not until the end of April. So, you know, I think it's, it's kind of you're on a dual track, and now it's more about the Browns, and at some point it shifts to the draft. But when you get to the draft, it's a lot of the same things. You know, I, I think they need to get another receiver. I'd like to see them get younger there. I think they should get younger there. Um, you know, do you add another defensive end, defensive tackle, right? So whatever you don't fill out in trade agency, you look to in the draft, and that includes offensive line. Like they probably need to get younger on the interior of the offensive line, and that's the you know, draft would be a great spot to do that.
2: Scott, with all that in mind, um, do, you ex- do you expect this team to tackle free agency like crazy, or do you think with some of the big salaries and some of the things they're going to have to do that free agency takes a backseat to the draft? Is there a pecking order here in this offseason?
3: I mean, it's a good question. I feel like it's still free agency first. And I don't know if that's how they want to operate, but I feel like that's just kind of how it is. That's the reality of the situation when you're spending so much money on these, on some of your bigger players, right? Including quarterback and miles Garrett, Denzel Ward. and We can go down the list. There's an urgency to win right now. And coming off a playoff appearance, I think that increases that urgency. So Yes, you can improve your team in the draft, but you know they have one second-round pick, one third-round pick, right? So there's two guys that might come in. You don't know if they're going to be able to contribute. You look at their th- third-round picks from last year, right? Cedric Tillman and si- or, uh, Siaki Ika. They didn't do. They didn't have a huge impact, right? So I think if you want to bolster the roster and say, "Hey, we're better for 2024," that's done through free agency and trade. So. I don't know if Andrew Barry's going to sign the volume of high-priced guys like he has in the past. Right, Last year it was Tomlinson and Ocaracro and um, Thornhill early, but I think there will be a guy or two that is signed. I would think on the first day that you say, okay, this guy is a starter or a key backup that they plan to have a big role in helping this team take the next step.
4: Scott, map out Nick Chubb's story for next year and then tell me if they need to draft yeah. a running back. And, man, are people screaming about cutting him, Andy?
3: Yeah. It, it, I, they need no to way. add a running back. They need to add a running back. I don't know if that's in the draft. Um, I don't know if it's a veteran to pair with Jerome Ford and Pierre Strong Jr. Um, I could see it going both ways. You know, you're going both ways. I don't know if you want to draft a running back in the second or third round. So then, can you count on one in the fifth round? Maybe you maybe you take one in the fifth round and draft a, or sign a veteran later, right? A chief veteran just to have a guy. Um, I, I think Nick Chubb is a big unknown. I mean, I don't, they're going to have to restructure the contract, right? They're not going to pay him what they're going to pay him. They're not taking that cap hit, uh, especially coming. And they might not have done that anyway, but especially coming off the knee injury. So they're going to have to figure that out. I know that the Browns are committed to trying to figure that out as long as Nick Chubb is open to that, which I assume he would be. And, you know, you try to even it out with incentives or whatever. Um, I expect them to get a deal done and it should help the cap situation and it should allow Nick to come back at least for 2024, if not longer. But then, you know, it's still a huge question what he can do. You know, Um, I don't expect him to be ready for week one. Uh, You know, I don't think he'll be ready to go at the start of training camp full go. So then it's, okay, when's he ready? When's he, and not only when is he ready, then when is he back to being that Nick Chubb of old, if he ever is, right? Because it's a huge knee injury, and it's the second to that left knee. So that's why I think you have to go get insurance while you can be as optimistic as you want, and you know Nick Chubb works as hard as anybody, and I'm sure there's confidence that he'll get back to some semblance of who he was, if not who he was. Uh, I think you have to have an insurance plan in place.
4: I don't, at what point does a team, though, have to become human? You know what I'm saying? Like, I think the fan base, if they don't do Nick right, I think the fan base is just going to be aggravated. Now, if you win, no one's going to care, right. and it'll just be aggravation. But I think Nick has earned the right to at least have, you know, to be treated right in this situation. And, it, you know, if I'm not saying he's got to retire, but at some point he's going to – I just don't know how bad the injury is, and I think we have to see how that plays out. And don't you think the Browns owe it to him, at least give him a chance, especially if they can come back in and renegotiate – and figure this thing out because I don't think there's anybody that doesn't want, especially when I go back and think about him smashing the guitar yeah. at the game. I mean, look, you know, he was there for the team even, you know, even when he wasn't playing. And to me, that means a lot. I think it means a lot to the fans. And what he's done on the field has meant a lot. I just think it's a hard place to be when you're in a harsh reality of the NFL right. trying to figure out what to do. I, what is doing right by Nick Chubb?
3: Yeah, I think you're right on all that stuff, Andy. And they treat – the organization treats Nick Chubb differently than a lot of guys because they respect him so much. They consider him like the example that they hold up everyone – that they hold up and say, everybody else, work as hard as Nick Chubb, right? Put your head down. Don't say anything. Be Nick Chubb. So, you know, I don't think Andrew Barry – I mean, he didn't draft Nick Chubb, right? I don't think in his – grand scheme he would ever play, pay a running back what they pay Nick Chubb, what they have paid Nick Chubb, the extension that Nick Chubb got. But that's because Chubb is an exception. So I think that exception continues through this injury. It continues now, continues with this you know, restructure and the renegotiation they will have. And Andrew Barry is on record saying that, and Kevin Stefanski, everybody is on record saying all the right things. Now there is a reality that if Chubb says, hey, I'm not taking a pay cut and I'm not renegotiating, the Browns are left in a tough spot because I don't think they can pay that for a guy that they don't know if he's going to play how many games and if he'll be the same guy. I don't I wouldn't expect Chubb to draw that line because he's not going to get that kind of deal if he gets cut and signed somewhere else. Right? It's such a we just there's so much uncertainty involved in this situation. Um, so I don't know. I don't know if that you know off the top of my head I would say it's a one year six million dollar deal with eight million in incentives where he can get back to what he would have made. Um, that feels kind of right to me, you know, a happy I have to him. I agree. So, you know, I, that kind of feels like where they'll have to come to. And I don't have any reason to believe they won't get there, but it is hanging over um, the organization, but there's not a big timeline, right? There's not like they have to make this decision by March 13th. Um, they have some time to figure
2: it out. Scott Petrack joining us from the Chronicle Telegram brownzone.com. Let me follow that up. You said they'll need some insurance because we don't have any idea, and you're absolutely right where Nick's going to be. Jerome Ford, Pierre Strong. Yeah. Is that enough?
3: No. There needs to be somebody else. And I, like, I like stuff I saw from both those guys this year. Right, We hadn't seen Jerome Ford. I think he had know, eight carries or six carries as a rookie. So we hadn't seen him. I saw some there. It wasn't perfect. I thought he needed to be better at attacking the line of scrimmage. I thought he sometimes strung the runs out too long. It's a little inconsistent, some hit or hit or miss with him. But there's something to be said for him. And is he your number one back? I don't know. He's certainly a good number two. I thought Strong showed burst in a speed that a lot of guys don't have. But you need to bring in somebody else. And if you want that guy to be the number two and Ford your starter, okay, I, I think they could live with that. If you thought if there's a cheap veteran out there that you could sign and say, hey, he's going to be our guy and Ford's going to compliment him, and then when Nick Chubb gets back, we'll just fit him in however. I, I could see that too. So I certainly don't think those two guys are enough, and I think they have to go outside to add to those two guys.
2: Scott, I thought Andrew Berry did a great job last offseason putting together a defensive line and, and bringing in a lot of guys. How does he go about it this year?
3: Yeah, it, you know, it starts with Zedary Smith, right? Because when they made that trade, they redid the contract so he'd become a free agent. I think the goal or the, I think the best plan is to bring Smith back. Didn't have huge sack numbers, but did toward the end of the season, they were better. I thought he contributed. Uh, I thought he had an impact throughout the season and he kind of fits in your price range. If you can get him for 12 or 13 million for a year or two, that feels like the right number to pay opposite miles Garrett. And then you have Garrett Smith, Oboe and Alex Wright. And that's a really good foursome. Um, If Smith, decides to, you know, if he leaves in free agency, finds a better deal somewhere else, Uh, I don't think you spend a ton of money on defensive end, but you still need to sign someone. And I think I'd sign a veteran to add to that mix, but is he going to be as good as Smith? And then I think you need a starting tackle next to Tomlinson. I know you don't break the bank, right, because they paid a bunch of money for Tomlinson, but there's guys out there. And whether you go a young guy um, that's been in the league for four or five years or go older, right, like Calais Campbell's still out there, is going to be a free agent. Fletcher Cox, Um, Sheldon Rankins, like those kind of guys you could slide in with some pass rush ability next to Tomlinson. Um, You just have to have so much depth there the way Jim Schwartz uses that D-line that I think you probably need to sign two tackles and one end and maybe draft, you know, you could draft at that position as well.
2: All right, go get a great stake in Indianapolis. Um, Meet people that you think are going to tell you some things.
4: (laughs) Get someone to pay for the stake. Most importantly. (laughs) Oh, you want to pick up the shrimp cocktail? It's By all means, means. Yeah, great. No That's problem. fabulous. That's no, great. Awesome.
2: Have a great time, Scott. Thanks, guys. See you, Scott. Scott Petrek, brownzone.com, Chronicle Telegram. He'll be on his way to Indianapolis for the scouting combine. And again, Andrew Barry tomorrow. And Kevin Stefanski on Wednesday. We'll have both of those press conferences for you right here. I think a very delicate situation that the Browns have to deal with this offseason. And it involves running back Nick Chubb. We all saw what happened against Pittsburgh and his knee really messed up for the second time in his career. Once at Georgia, now here in the NFL, it came at a terrible time. Nick in his later twenties, running backs in their later twenties. Don't make, don't make huge contracts, right? They don't, they don't get those big deals for multi-years. They, it's that position regardless and the Browns have a decision to make because what are they going to do? He's under contract to make a lot of money.
4: Yeah, his his he's, cap he's, number is like fifteen point eight
2: million. That's a lot of money for a running back. And probably more than they ever wanted to pay him. But it's Nick Chubb. He's phenomenal. We know he's great. We don't know if he's even going to play this year. Scott Petrak had uh, some really good thoughts on it. Let's start with this one. I think Nick
3: Chubb is a big unknown. They're going to have to restructure the contract,
2: right? They're not going right. to pay him what they're going to pay
3: him. They're not taking that cap hit, especially coming – and they might not have done that anyway, but especially coming off the knee injury. So they're going to have to figure that out. I know that the Browns are committed to trying to figure that out. As long as Nick Chubb is open to that, which I assume he would be, and you know you try to even it out with incentives or whatever, I expect them to get a deal done. And it should help the cap situation, and it should allow Nick to come back at least for 2024, 20, if not longer.
2: That's the hope, right? Right. But you don't know what he's going to be when he gets back. I, I know it's Nick Chubb. Nobody's going to work harder. Nobody, I don't think, I think he's, if not the best running back in the National Football League, he's in the conversation. What happens, though, when he comes back? What if he's not the same guy? What if he doesn't have the skill? What if the injury doesn't heal properly? I We don't know the answer to any of that. I think the Browns have to cover themselves, Andy, and I, I think Scott had... Pretty good thoughts about how to do that. You know, lower, uh, lower guarantee and right,
4: incentive based, right? Sure.
2: How do you want to see the Browns treat Nick Chubb, folks? So What
4: zero zero nine two. Wh- what is doing right by him? What do? You, what is it? So here's what I would what say. What do you think it is? Well, Ian? I think Nick's got to understand a little bit too what's best for the team. In some ways, like I, I still think that Nick's in a different position than most players would be in. Because he is absolutely one hundred percent beloved by the franchise, and you heard Scott talk about, you know, his relationship with the team. Nick is is, Nick is on Nick Island, man. He is exactly what you want in a football player. Nick He works Island. so hard to be where he is. He's done that through college, and then he's been able to translate that here. He deserves every benefit of the doubt. Every doubt of the benefit. Every benefit of the doubt. To <laughs> I didn't think about it there for a second. I'm getting old, man. Um to be a impact player on this team next year, where he's been in the past. Now, I don't think it's do, fair do to ask... You,
2: do you think you can even think impact player next year?
4: No, what I said was, he deserves every opportunity to be that player. I, I know that, but do you think there's any chance that he can be an impactful guy next if year? If there's a guy that can do it, I think it's Nick Jones. I would agree with that. So, and I think the Browns recognize that, they recognize what he means to the franchise, uh, and they... they they might be more cognizant to him and the way the fans feel about him than they would most players. Is that a fair statement? I think that's true.
2: Scott said something that I thought was really interesting and that Nick is the, a, a great example of, and the Browns hold him up as a great example for how to work. This is how you're a pro. This is the way you go about your business. Let's flip that, Andy. If that's the way the Browns have thought of Nick in regards to an example, aren't the Browns going to make an example here of how they treat a guy when he's down? I wonder if the Browns are going to be held to an example by their players
4: on the way they treat Nick. I just have Woody Hayes floating around in my head right now. You win with people. You win with people. You set the standard and the environment and the atmosphere for your organization – by the people you put in that organization, especially in the locker room. And, I mean, he's a culture setter yeah. in that locker room. He's a culture setter beyond the locker room. And then he so takes they it just, on the field. Yeah, they need to do him right. That's, I think that's, that's important. I mean,
2: I, Is right this? Decent, guaranteed salary? Yes. Incentives, as Scott laid out? Yes. And option maybe for a following season? If you meet certain criteria, that gets locked
4: in. I I think that's, I I don't, I wonder what Nick thinks is fair. Yeah, I wonder too. That's part of the deal too. If, in fact, he has an issue, if he's not able to go,
2: even if he is able to go, we don't expect him to be ready right away. What should the Browns do? Scott Petrek on that.
3: You know, it's still a huge question what he can do. I don't expect him to be ready for week one. You know, I don't think he'll be ready to go at the start of training camp, full go. So then it's, okay, when's he ready? When's he And not only when is he ready, then when is he back to being that Nick Chubb of old, if he ever is, right? Because it's a huge knee injury, and it's the second to that left knee. So that's why I think you have to go get insurance while you can be as optimistic as you want, and you know Nick Chubb works as hard as anybody, and I'm sure there's confidence that he'll get back to some semblance of who he was. If not who he was, I think you have to have an insurance plan in place.
4: Insurance plan. Draft a running back. You going to do it? Or do you want to go out and get a free agent? You know,
2: I'd, I'd, be, I'd be more tempted to go get a free agent. And I, there are a lot of guys, there are a lot of names you can throw around. If you, you, you already have two young guys. You have Jerome Ford, and you might not think Jerome is phenomenal. Well, Jerome's not Nick Chubb, but he did a nice job. I like Pierre Strong. I think those two guys are an interesting complement for each other. I'll throw out a name of the type of guy that I wouldn't mind seeing. Uh, Deontay Foreman, who was with Houston, was hurt, ended up bouncing around a little bit, was with Carolina. When they traded McCaffrey, he ended up gaining over 900 yards Mm
4: -hmm.
2: in a short period of time. Went to Chicago, didn't get called on a whole lot. When he did get called on, was a pretty effective guy. And he's a veteran. He's been around. He's like 27, 28 and 6'1", 230. He's a big guy. Add him to Jerome Ford, Pierre Strong, I think you're pretty solid at that position group. And if if I I just throw that name out, that's the type of guy. And there are other guys out there. Zach Moss, who was in Indy this year and filled in very nicely for Jonathan Taylor, had some big games. If you add Devin Singletary in Houston, did a nice job this year. You add a guy like that who's not an upper echelon running back free agent and add him to two young guys in Pierre Strong and Jerome Ford. And that gives Nick Chubb every opportunity to come along at his own pace. They won't force him anyway. But it gives you a veteran presence in that room who those two young guys can look up to and who can probably benefit from him being around.
4: I think there's another player in this game if you're looking at running back. And it gives you a little bit of time, too. I like... Tough decision, guys. Pierre Strong is one of those guys, right? A guy who is in camp with another team, uh, maybe played for the other team the year before, and the other team drafts somebody, and they're like, ah, I don't know. But those guys seem to have uh, so much drive and desire when they have to move teams and become the third third string or maybe even a practice squad running back. And I, I just think that rather than – I don't know that – are you drafting a running back? Seventh round, maybe? Sixth round? What are you doing? I'm not drafting a running back early. I don't don't know
2: that I'm drafting one at all because I honestly think, Andy, you have two young guys that you want to... I would personally want to keep both young guys. I'd like to keep Ford. I'd like to keep Pierre Strong. I'd like to play them. And I would add a veteran to those young guys. Personally.
4: I think it matters what their board looks like when they hit the draft. I think that's the key. You know, you hit six... Seventh round, they've got three picks between the two rounds. That if there's a running back that's high on your board or you can't believe they're still there, then you go get them. at sixth, seventh round. I mean, what, what do you what no, do you have I, to lose?
2: I can't disagree with that. I, I just would like to personally add a, a veteran who has had
4: some success in the league to the mix
2: because I, I think the Browns could use that.
4: I really do. If you're heading over to the combine this week, do you have a shopping list? What do, how do you approach it? You mean what I'm looking for? Yeah. And so here's what you have. You have a second rounder, a third rounder, two fifths, two sixths, and a seventh. That's what you have. Well, you, you know what's at the top of my shopping list.
2: Dane Brugler, by the way, from The Athletic. Can't Dane, wait to hear Dane his does his, his top 100 guys in the draft. He's coming up at noon. He's going to join us. And I'm, I'm going to hammer on this with him because he can be the guy who can tell us some things. What's at the top of my
4: shopping list? Go ahead tell me. For you, wide receiver. That's exactly right. It's always wide receiver until you get until you get some. I don't know that that's necessarily on the top of my shopping list. I wrote down offensive lineman. Okay. I I I want depth on the offensive line. I don't want to walk into as bad as you may have thought. The wide receivers looked at at some point. I mean, we walked out there one week with only one starting offensive lineman. So I don't think you could ever overestimate the. The depth that you need on that offensive line. Don't and when you, you you're think you have that it, now, though? I don't know. I I just I know that I, I you have to see how the draft plays out in the first round, but I think the odds of getting a higher level offensive lineman might be greater in the second round than a higher level wide receiver. You understand what I'm saying? Like, it, well, wide receiver with that second pick might be like the the 10th or anywhere from 10 to 15th, best wide receiver, whereas an offensive lineman could be 5 to 10,
2: right? Well, that's one of the things that we'll talk to Dane Bruegler about coming up at noon. That's, that's a really interesting thought on that. I, I just wonder this, Andy. If you drafted a, 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 a an offensive lineman in the
4: second round, what are you going to do with him? I don't know what's going on with Jack Conklin I don't know I mean I know the contract with Jed Bull. okay even if something's going on
2: with Jack Conklin you put Dewan Jones there and call it a day
4: but then but now you still need to build depth now you're you know you're back to James Hudson's not doing it for you well it's three you still the I think Christian's need, not doing it for you still think you need three or maybe four offensive linemen. They well, that's need nice five track. tackles what do they have sitting on the roster now three six. Uh, just looking at our lads, they have six sitting there right now. But drafted Whipler. You know, Christian's a you um, can play guard. You can also play center. It's your swing guy. I, I don't know. I don't think you can ever have enough offensive or defensive linemen. I know it's not a sexy pick and you know you're not running out to buy jerseys, but I, I just I think that's where they the the upgrades they made in the middle on defense last year on that middle of the uh defensive line were the difference, I think, in a lot of games. Especially early on, you know, and what what happens to Shelby Harris? You know, you bring him back? Jordan Elliott, Maurice Hurst, those guys are all free agents. Will you bring him back? I'm talking about defensive line now. I know. That I was just a, switched a, that was a quick left. Of... Well, no, it's just I was line. Still, just... I was still thinking about offensive line. Well, I'm just thinking line in general. Like I just you know we sit here and we want to we want to drool over wide receivers or running backs or even well, tight because ends you. Or... You need some wide receivers, and we don't have any. I just still think it all starts in the middle, and then you work your way out. I agree with you. We need another wide receiver. I'm not. not my only not thought is this. That. I
2: think you have offensive linemen right now that can do the job, and I, I don't think you have wide receivers who can do the job to help Deshaun Watson. I think you have the linemen. Folks, yay, nay, 216-474-0092. It's Baskin and Phelps right here on the fan.
0: With available H-Track all-wheel drive and 3-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit hyundaiusa.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.
2: Googler from the Athletics is going to join us at noon. We'll talk to talk to Dane. Rich is in Cleveland. Hi Rich.
5: Hey Rich. Hey, how you guys doing?
2: Good, what's up, man?
4: Hey, what's up?
5: I had a suggestion as far as about um, our running back situation. Now, I I know we didn't go nowhere as we expected to as far as our running back, but what you guys think about just bringing Hunt back for another one-year deal? Now, I know he wasn't productive like we thought, but I think one of the biggest reasons is because our our offensive line. Like, we really took a beating with our line. So if we was at 100% with our offensive line, I think our running game would have made such a big difference. I'm just wondering what you guys think about that. I'm, I'm wondering, Rich,
2: how much of last year where Kareem was not as explosive as usual was because of the surgery that he had since the season ended, the hernia surgery. I, I I wonder, did that really hinder him during the season, or has he lost a step or two? He did a great job of picking up short yardage when called upon, and he was called upon for that a lot, and he scored a lot of touchdowns, but he didn't have the same explosiveness that he's had in the past, and I, I just wonder... You know, was it because but, he needed the surgery or is it because he doesn't have it anymore? I, I don't know the answer. Holes.
5: Think about the holes we didn't have this year. You know, our, our line was very good, opened up them holes, and that's how they was able to take off. I'm just wondering, did that make such a big difference?
2: That's a good question. And, and Rich, thank you. They actually did a really nice job of run blocking after Nick left for a while. And then more injuries happened and more injuries happened and, and they kind of went away from it and it changed a little bit. And Rich, I, I think you make a, a valid point on that. I just wonder, Andy, I, I don't think Kareem's coming back here. I think you could I don't think so I either. think you could do a lot worse. And if the surgery were something critical that was keeping him from being his usual explosive self, he had a long run last season of sixteen yards. That's that's not typical of Kareem Hunt.
4: It's hard to not think back to the interview that Stump Mitchell did on the way out the door, and just say he's got to dedicate himself to what he's doing.
2: Yeah, that was a little, a um, little hard to hear if you're a, a yeah. Kareem Hunt fan.
4: I, I to me, it sounds like it's up to Kareem, I, and I'm not saying that it's up to Kareem to get another gig with the Browns. He'll be
2: 29 you know, when training
4: camp starts. I don't. I mean, I would watch him play any Sunday, but I just I don't know if that ship has sailed here or where they are. But I, I I'm. I am interested to see what he looks like on the other side of surgery.
2: Yeah, I know. See, that's that's the wild card here. I mean, does he have no, the sports hernia? Does right? he have so. the burst back that he had before? Does he not have the burst back? I wonder.
4: Don't know the answer. I don't know. Fans love him. I I, I get it, but the Browns can't be. conservative. Oh, I fans.
2: love him too. So do you? Yeah, I know. I mean, I, he, I when Kareem was healthy, he was terrific. Yeah, he can fly. Explosive. Could move. He never had, you know, blazing speed, but he had he had enough
4: speed he where could he lateral could... speed. Like you know, I was just thinking well, he had, about him he going side to side. He, had, and side and he just... had quicks. You know, <laughs> <laughs> he had quicks. How does that go again? <laughs> it's better than the word quicks.
2: Wow, Dan. Oh, I'm not. What's better, using the word quicks or or doing this?
4: <laughs> I don't know. I kind of like the sound effects. Thank you. Dave's in uh, and we Streetsboro. To, we don't have to pay for those. Either. It, harken, it harkens back to the older days of radio. Dave is in yeah, Streetsboro. Yeah, I'm here. Hey, I'm what's Dave. up, Dave?
5: So I hate to say it because I love Nick Chubb as much as the next guy, mm-hmm. but I think his days are numbered here in uh, Cleveland. Yeah,
2: I, there's that thought, Dave. Why, why do you think? Just because of dollars?
5: Well, I think that over the past years, we've seen this new coaching staff learn from their mistakes. And I think the biggest mistake that they made last year, the one that hurt us the most, was putting all of their running back eggs into the Nick Chubb basket. We've brought in a new running back coach, and maybe comes a new philosophy with him, uh, where we're more of the uh, running back by committee, so a single injury doesn't cripple you for the year in the running back room.
2: Although they did that with Jerome Ford and Pierre Strong, and Nick was... Nick was part of that, and remember when Kareem, when it was Kareem and Nick, they split it up, though Nick was clearly you know, the guy getting most of the carries.
5: Yeah, sure. You've got a guy who's always going to be the best of the group, but I think we're now more at a spot where the passing game is going to set up the run, and uh, you don't need that all-star Pro Bowl running back to uh, effectively do that. Um, I also, I also believe, I believe Deshaun Watson was hurt from week one last year. Um, you know, I, I hate, I know you guys hate to hear it. I, I had a micro tear in my shoulder and by no means am I a pro athlete, but I was throwing a football around while it was, while it was hurt. And, uh, every one of those balls went straight into the ground and we watched that guy (laughs) short hop, short hop balls all last year. He did make some good downfield throws, and let me tell you the difference. It's a seven-step drop, very slow, deliberate drawback and release of the shoulder. When you have a tear in, in your uh, rotator cuff, the quick motion is what hurts. It's jarring. It shocks your body. It's not a pain that's going to stop you from throwing, but it definitely hurts. And we watched him short hop balls. All year, especially on like short crossing patterns.
2: Dave, how you feeling now?
5: All healed up? Pretty good. Yeah, oh yeah. I've had both shoulders done and they both came out great. All right.
2: Well, our our um, fingers are crossed. David, thank you. Our fingers are crossed that Sean's the same
4: way. Sounds like he's got a couple downs left in him. I got ten plays. He's got ten plays. I was gonna ask if he could hit the five yard out now. He hit that five yard out now? <laughs>
2: That's Menigan making fun, I don't, I mean, Dave. I'm not making fun. We understand I don't know what people, it's like to throw that pass, so heal. I people, respect that. I well, don't have sure. a problem with that. Yeah. Chris is in North Ridgeville. Hi, Chris. Hey, hey,
6: Chris. How are you guys today? Good. Hey, so um, I think uh, piggybacking off of kind of the running back and offensive line situation um, and just hearing people talk about um, who we're bringing in and even like the running back coach, Steve Staley, um, I think it, I, I think that you need to – maybe there's there's all these running backs coming available, and I know there's, like, the short list for, like, the the high-value guys. Um, I think it wouldn't hurt to maybe, like, I I don't think that we have, like, a running back room that's got everything that we need to be diverse back there. Like, Kareem and Nick are both kind of more power and shifty guys, or at least Kareem used to be. Um, I I don't think that we have, like, like, the idea of Duke Johnson and Nick Chubb was a really good thought. I just don't think Duke really, like, fit into the team, and I think kind of having that diverse backfield is something we need to look into um, and kind of shop guys that fit that scheme. I think somebody mentioned that, like, that strategy that Deuce might bring might be kind of what we need. Um, And then with the offensive line getting healthy, I think that definitely helps um, kind of, you know, in different situations. The other thing I wanted to mention, um, I graduated the same year as Kareem Hunt, and we um, kind of always monitored that, like, our running back, him, and the Ignatius running back were always, like, neck and neck for who was number one in the state. And uh, the one thing that always came up when talking about him going to school and the the, the rumor that the reason he went to Toledo was because of the dedication to the to football. He had all of the natural talent and was a freak athlete, but never really, like, put his all into it. And that was always, like, the rumor around the state and then going into college. Um, and a lot of people thought that he wasn't going to go to the NFL for a while because – um, they thought there would be a slip up, but he obviously made it and was really successful in Kansas City. I just don't know where that step went um, after his after his first year. Um, I, I you know I'd really like to have him back, but I just don't think it's I just don't think you can kind of bet on that again and hope he's going to come back and be that guy again. I mean, running backs' lifespans are not very long, especially when you run the way that he runs. Um, I'm, I'm not sure it's worth bringing him back into the running back room. Um, even though it was, it was great to see somebody from the area being back there and having some success. But thank you guys for taking my call. I really appreciate it. Thank all right, you. Chris,
2: thank you very much. See, that, that's the thing. We, we all have to remember. They decided last year not to bring Kareem back. They brought him back because they had an emergency. And he was an easy, easy solution to fix
4: that problem. He and he still did, needed to get in the game shape when he first got here, but, but yeah. he did a nice job. Yeah. You know, he didn't
2: average a lot per carry. He had a lot of short yardage carries. I'm sure that affected his average to some extent. He didn't have the great big runs that he'd had sometimes in the past. He scored a lot of touchdowns and he did a nice job. I just think that they'll move on again. And there are other guys that they can bring in. They won't have to spend a lot of money on some of these veteran guys. Andy, Somebody's going to be left holding, you know, holding the bag, waiting for somebody throw out another name, a guy named Rashad Penny, who was right. in Seattle. Injury trouble like crazy. Signed with the Eagles. Then they traded for DeAndre Swift. He didn't do anything last year. And you, know, you want to take a shot on a guy? who's a former first-round pick. And big-time yards per carry average. There are guys in free agency you can get. Jerome Ford, Pierre Strong are in their younger 20s. And I, I think you keep both of those guys. You still have John Kelly. He's on the roster for like the 19th time. Keep bringing John back. So they'll find somebody. If you wanted to go get somebody in the draft, Andy Late, I wonder where he fits. That's my only thing. I would think a one year deal with a free agent, add him to the mix with Pierre Strong and Jerome Ford, and you're playing three running backs. And you've got Jerome just, and Pierre long term.
4: I mean, do you think they're married to Pierre Strong? I don't think they're married to him at all. I, I would like to think they are. The guy averaged four point six yards per carry last year. I don't know. I think it's easy if you, if the front office wants to make a decision, they traded for him. Yeah, I know. Remember? Yeah. I mean, they they went out and they they sought him out.
2: I I think the guy has a burst that this running back group can really use. And I, if you add, if you take Jerome, you put him with Pierre and go sign a veteran who's had some success in the league, I, I think that's a nice threesome while you let Nick Chubb heal. figure out if Nick Chubb can be Nick Chubb
4: again. I think that's doing right by Nick Chubb, going back to the previous conversation. Just give Nick the time to you know, heal and have the opportunity to be a member of the Browns and you know, renegotiate that contract, figure out whatever it takes. That's what I think. I just think he's that special. and I, under- I can understand why people are saying, Maybe, you know, you look at the shelf life of an NFL running back, but he's going to know pretty quick how long it's going to take. And I, I mean, I don't either. Nick is going to be there. I just can't see Nick being mediocre. I just think he's either in other gonna words, be,
2: he's going to be good or he's not going to be, it's
4: good or retire. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm not, and I, the last thing I want to do is see Nick Chubb retire. Cause I want to see the Nick Chubb that we, you know, we love his fans, but I just think there's, or, or a buyout maybe, I don't know. Is that the other answer? Although I don't know what that does to the cap, so I don't know. I, just, I look at that, and I just try to figure out where you're going with that. I want Nick Chubb to be on the Browns. I want the Browns to do him right. I hope he's open-minded to renegotiating his contract. And let's, let's make this work, because I think we all need each other with Nick Chubb. If he can play, if he can't, then he's got to hold up his hand and say, you know what, maybe it's the, the surgery. we did. We, I gave it my best. Like For him to walk away, to say that he gave it his best and tried everything is all that really matters, I think. You
2: know what would be tough to swallow if if you're a diehard Browns fan or a Nick Chubb fan? He's only played five years in the NFL. La- I'm not counting last year because he only played in two games. He's had a five-year career. Five-year career. That's been it.
4: What's the average NFL player? Three? He's not an
2: average NFL player. No, though. I know, but average. That's that's the shame. That That's the shame of it. Dane Brugler puts together, if you're looking for draft analysis and top guys in the draft, Dane is your guy. He's our guy coming up at noon. Dane Brugler from The Athletic right here on Baskin and Phelps.
1: This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on What's in Your Podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds.